This is Crossroads, the Get Religion podcast. About a decade and a half ago, the Southern Baptist Convention, largest Protestant denomination in the United States, peaked at just a little over 16 million members. Now it's down to 13.2, and the drop over the last year in 2022 was nearly a half a million members. Now, there are other numbers that are up for the Southern Baptist Convention, but overall membership is down and appears to be headed down. Greetings and welcome to Crossroads with Terry Mattingly. I'm Todd Wilkin. Thanks for tuning us in. Terry is Senior Fellow at the Overby Center for Southern Journalism and Politics at the University of Mississippi. He's founder and editor of Get Religion and author of the weekly On Religion column for the Universal Syndicate in the book Pop Goes Religion. Terry, welcome back. Glad to be here. So what's going on with the Southern Baptist Convention? Is this membership loss just a COVID bleed, a side effect of COVID? Lots and lots of things are going on with the Southern Baptist Convention, in my opinion. And if you dig down into that RNS report by Bob Smetana, some of that gets mentioned. You'll also not be surprised to know that the political scientist and observer of all things religion statistics, Ryan Berg, a cooperator with Get Religion. Ryan Berg has a post out on this as well. And and I think we need to walk through this. It's clear that COVID impacted attendance a lot and it impacted baptisms, a crucial statistic for Southern Baptist life with adult baptism as the norm, because that's kind of your new members from other denominations and converts number. And those actually turned up quite a bit this year post-COVID. So we got mixed signals there. But Ryan Berg has a devastating statistic at the end of his Substack post on this. His new Substack is called graphsaboutreligion.com. G-R-A-P-H-F-S, Graphs About Religion. And check this out. In 2012, there were three baptisms in the Southern Baptist Convention for every member lost, back during a time of much slower and more gradual losses. 2022, there were almost, it's 2.7, there were almost three members lost for every baptism. And that was in a year that baptisms went up post-COVID. So if you look at that difference between those numbers decade to decade, as, as he puts it, no denomination can sustain losses like that and not be fundamentally changed. Now, of course, the losses in the Southern Baptist Convention are more recent, and in many ways they can't be compared to the kind of demographic implosion that we have seen for 40 years in the world of liberal mainline Protestantism. But I think we're looking at something else going on in American culture, and it's multiple something else's that are going on. So yeah, COVID is not the whole story. The question is whether journalists want to dig and try to find out what some of the other stories are that are going on. So off the top of my head, I'm thinking COVID obviously is 
maybe is number one obvious, but I can also think of uh, sexual abuse scandals. Mm-hmm. I can think of uh, controversy regarding how woke some Southern Baptist leaders allegedly are. I happen to know a few of them. They are not. <laughs> and that's to add to the ongoing kind of theological diversity that Southern Baptist Convention lives with all the time. Which one of those you think should be of special interest to journalists? Well, which one should be or which one will be? Uh, let's do should and then will. Well, I think the quickest way to run through that is to give you my factors on what I think is happening here. And as we do that, I'll kind of tick off how they fit into your categories. Okay, is that a fair fair way to go at it? Sure. Uh, you also need to understand that there's another reality going on here, and that is churches have better methods today for counting active members than they used to. It's taken a while for computer spreadsheets and things like that to catch on, but most American religious groups and denominations now are doing a better job of counting who is actually active in their denomination or group. When I, when I was growing up as the son of a Texas Baptist minister, a Southern Baptist pastor in Texas, we used to say that basically in the state of Texas there were more Baptists than there are people. And that was kind of a joke both about the power of the Southern Baptist Convention in that state and the fact that everybody knew that there were many, many people who were on Southern Baptist membership roles because back in a previous era, that's what you wanted to do if you were going to be active in business or politics or whatever in a lot of Texas communities. So to some degree, what we have here is an increasingly honest set of statistics. Now, the mainline Protestant churches have been citing that for years, and that's true. That's not the only thing going on, but we have to mention that. Here's the big one. The fastest growing religious group in America is non-denominational Protestantism. And this affects the Southern Baptist in many ways. To some degree, Southern Baptists were the original megachurch people, and now you've got people building, in some ways, better megachurches than theirs. And when I say better, we're talking everything from youth programs to climbing walls to singles groups to quality rock bands, laser shows, all the things that go with megachurch life in the United States. The Southern Baptists have an increasing amount of competition from churches that look Southern Baptist in style and in theological content. We'll get to a, one difference there coming up later. Style and theological content, but they're not Southern Baptist. So I think everyone agrees that a massive amount of the Southern Baptist membership loss has been to the world of non-denominational churches. And one way to judge that is that the percentage of practicing evangelicals in America is not declining rapidly. It's remaining remarkably stable. So a lot of Southern Baptists, kind of what goes around comes around, a lot of Southern Baptists are simply changing pews. I, I think we also, you raised the issue of the woke issue and you raised the issue of the sexual abuse issue. To some degree, there are people in the Southern Baptist Convention to whom the attempts to deal 
with sexual abuse by clergy and others without violating Baptist polity. Some people have called those efforts woke, have said that the Baptist leadership has gone too far in attempting to rein in sexual abuse, that they've ended up blurring some lines in church polity and whatever. Now, there are more important things going on in the woke world, but let me just, under that woke banner you raised, let me put a couple of other things. We've done how many podcasts? I have no idea how many podcasts and broadcasts in which we've talked about the fact that the press wanted to say that all white evangelicals were pro-Trump, which simply wasn't true until you got to the binary choice of a general election. I think you would have to say that the Trump era has split evangelicals very painfully on a lot of issues of style and content in American public life. Trump's divided everybody else. Why shouldn't it divide evangelicals? And that has to have affected the Southern Baptist to some degree as a kind of, not to blame everything on Donald Trump, but a kind of Trump-era style of digital warfare has cranked up in the Southern Baptist Convention. I think you would also have to say that COVID wasn't just a test for the SBC. It was a test of how united the National Convention would be in response to COVID. Baptist churches were painfully divided on how to respond to COVID, and that may have sent some people out the door. I expect to see journalists asking these questions and perhaps thinking, in the last couple of SBC presidential elections, you've had major candidates running to the cultural and to some degree maybe theological right of the current SBC leadership, which is quite theologically conservative on anybody's chart for measuring such things. But there is a genuine further right, anti-woke wing of the Southern Baptist Convention right now. Now, this leads us to another thing that's kind of under the woke banner. One of the key issues under woke was battles over critical race theory, CRT. And the Southern Baptists managed to offend everybody in the CRT discussions in the sense that you had black Southern Baptist churches were offended that more SBC leaders didn't embrace CRT. You had other Southern Baptists, including some African Americans, who were upset that the SBC did not completely openly reject CRT, that basically said there are theological concepts that link to doctrinaire CRT, and we reject those. And frankly, a lot of the black church would take that stance. But the SBC never understood how to articulate that and wasn't helped a bit by the press coverage in trying to do so. Now, listeners need to understand that in this period of decline for the SBC, one of the growing sections of SBC life has been predominantly African-American churches and Latino churches to some degree. So to some degree, if you make black Southern Baptist leaders uncomfortable anywhere on the spectrum, it's not good for church growth numbers. And th this will get us into some other things on how we report this, but 
If they lost any black churches, that's bad. If these controversies over CRT and woke politics, if that prevented the birth of new black Southern Baptist churches, that's bad. If it kind of just put a heel on the neck of some of those SBC churches and kind of stunted their growth in some way, maybe that's too graphic an image, but you get my point. If it did anything to slow the growth of black churches, that's bad for numbers. Anything that hinders the growth of ethnic ministry and black ministry among SBCers right now is bad for numbers because that was one of the growing sections of SBC life, even if the press didn't notice it. Also, there is no Southern Baptist charismatic Pentecostal wing when it comes to theology for obvious theological reasons. Southern Baptists are not Pentecostals, so they're not charismatics, and have some problems with some aspects of charismatic and Pentecostal theology. Well, along with non-denominationals, the growing section of world religion and American religion, a lot of it is charismatic and Pentecostal, if you look at those denominations. So that has hurt the Southern Baptist Convention. And finally, I would simply say that the same kind of suburban religious realities that have affected all kinds of denominations, both left and right, are affecting Southern Baptists. And we see this in the baptism figure in the sense that baptism in all denominations tends to also point toward birth rates. And the Southern Baptist Convention has gone from a decades ago of a denomination in which there were lots of very large families in rural areas, suburban areas and whatever, to a church with birth rates that are probably about the same as everybody else, if you really push that. And I think the key statistic, one of the key statistics to watch in Southern Baptist life right now is not baptisms, but marriage totals. Are Southern Baptist conventions producing new active Christian marriages that are producing children that are parts of Southern Baptist life? And all of that's happening in the reality of the statistics we're seeing about the millennial generation. And the millennial generation is marrying up to a decade later than previous. And the, the more you push marriage later and later, the more tensions are going to grow on issues of sexual morality and sexual practice outside of marriage and cohabitation and a host of other issues, which in Southern Baptist circles, no one really wants to talk about those things. You remember the True Love Waits movement and the Promise Rings movement? You remember that from about, what, two decades ago? Sure. I did a story all the way back then that mentioned that when the Southern Baptist Convention tried to institute True Love Waits, one of the problems they were having at their congregational level is they couldn't get parents to take the oaths. And that was because too many of the parents had divorce in their past and had their own sexual conduct in the past as baby boomers. And thus, a lot of parents weren't comfortable with the oaths that they were taking to support young people who were trying to postpone sex until marriage. When your parents are divided by some of these issues, you think that's not going to affect the children? So that's a, a quick list of some of the things. All of that 
is affecting the Southern Baptist Convention right now. All of it. Terry, what struck you most about the RNS piece by Smitana? Well, I think the most important number is down in the body of the story, and I'll tell you why I think it's the most important. I can compare this with something that's going on right now in my own church, which is Eastern Orthodoxy, of course. There are several branches of Eastern Orthodoxy here in the United States that in the last five to ten years, their membership has either stayed the same or they have slightly declined. Yet when you look at another statistic, you can tell something else is going on. And that is that while these memberships are the same or declining, the number of new churches is growing rapidly. And what that tells you is that there are churches that are being born and are growing while there are other churches that are in decline. And you put those two things together and you end up with a flat line. So there's actually two different trends going on in the same religious group. Now, that leads us to a stat that Bob has down in his story, that in 2022, the denomination also lost 416 churches and another 165 church-type missions. Now, that's really interesting, and that bears watching. Because remember what I said just a few minutes ago. If what's happening in the woke battles and the CRT battles is preventing the creation of new black SBC churches and Latino churches and Asian churches, etc., areas of growth, anything that's preventing the creation of growing churches is also going to affect the number, obviously, for church membership as a whole. So if you continue to see the SBC closing way more churches than it creates, reporters need to watch that. So it'd be interesting to take that number, how many churches are lost, and compare that to the number of church-type missions that are started and where is the SBC seeing churches that are growing? Because I guarantee you there are growing Southern Baptist churches. The issue is who are they, where are they, and is there something that's creating more of them being created? So that's the stat that I would say interested me the most in the RNS story. And that's one of the things I think that reporters have to be watching for, for future coverage. Let's talk about uh, internal coverage, Baptist Press. Yeah. What did you make of their story? Well, first of all, it was pretty candid. It said, it just cha kind of changed the order. If you look at the headline, you see, baptisms are back up. Giving is very strong. Both of those realities are in Bob Smetana's report for RNS. Yeah, baptisms are up, but as Bob stressed, they're nowhere near what they were 10 years ago. But there's some of the most interesting statistics to me are down in the body of the Baptist Press report. And I mean, the following, this is not surprising, and I'm sure when I say it to you, it won't surprise you. States with the most baptisms numerically in Southern Baptist congregations in 2022 were Florida, rapidly growing state, South, Texas, hashtag duh, Tennessee, hashtag duh, Georgia, 
and North Carolina. None of those should surprise anyone who knows anything at all about Southern Baptist life. When I was growing up, we always used to say that Texas is the wallet on which the Southern Baptist Convention sits. Just in terms of numbers, growth, and financial clout, Texas, like I said, there's more Southern Baptists in Texas than there are people. But the very next paragraph is fascinating. In 2022, Southern Baptist congregations averaged one baptism for every 73 members. Several state conventions had a much lower ratio of baptism to members, including seven who baptized at least one person for every 25 members, three times better than the norm. Now listen to these states, Montana, Iowa, Pennsylvania, South Jersey, Dakota, New England, Michigan, New York, New Mexico, and Puerto Rico. Now, would you have predicted any of those? Not really. Yeah, and what that says, especially when you get to places like New Mexico and Puerto Rico, I guarantee you that the growth numbers in those states haven't been huge because religion is not faring well in those areas at all. But it sounds to me like there are some Southern Baptist missions that are settling in way outside the Bible Belt, and that there are some state conventions who, in a crucial demographic, the number of baptisms compared to the size of your congregation, reporters might want to follow up on that. Is the SBC, even amid all of its troubles, is it becoming more and more a national denomination? Which, of course, gets us back to other stories like, should it change its name? something for which the woke and the anti-woke might fiercely disagree on that point. But that struck me as a very interesting statistic in the Baptist Press report and something that journalists should try to dig into some more. What should we look for in future coverage? Well, obviously, the Southern Baptist Convention do a kind of ecclesiastical rodeo every summer the Southern Baptist Annual Convention, which is the only time the SBC legally exists in terms of some of the things that can take actions to do, passing policy changes, picking the people who sit on the committees that run the church otherwise. The Southern Baptist Convention is one of the big stories every year. And so last year, the battle was over the ordination of women. I think you can expect to see that come back, especially when you have other layers to that. I mean, Saddleback Church, after the retirement of Rick Warren, probably the best-known Southern Baptist in America that most people didn't realize was a Southern Baptist. Welcome to non-denominational age. You have not only the fact that they have ordained women, you get into the issue of, well, who is the senior minister? Does the SBC oppose women as senior pastors? Or do they oppose them being ordained, maybe even for tax reasons, accreditation or job reasons in any way, like hospital chaplains? And then you get something I expect to see raised. Did Saddleback begin cooperating in any way on LGBTQ issues with organizations that may or may not 
be in favor of a kind of a conservative traditional Christian approach to those issues? Obviously, the other thing is who wins the SBC presidency? And if the current SBC leadership wins the presidency again in a tight race against whoever is nominated by the national network called the Conservative Baptist Network. Reporters should start asking if there are Conservative Baptist Networks who have left the Southern Baptist Convention to go independent, or what would it take for the Conservative Baptist Network to actually start its own national convention? Now, note to people, that there are states in the United States, Texas being the best example, that already have two state Southern Baptist conventions, one to the theological right of the other when you express these things in traditional terms. You could even say political style, they're different. But they're both still part of the SBC. So to what degree does the Conservative Baptist Network form a separate army within the SBC, or at some point do they decide to secede, to decide that they can't win the presidency of the SBC enough years in a row to change the convention, to change the committees, to seize the reins of power. So that's going to be a storyline no matter what. What I hope listeners have heard is that if you just focus on this, as a political horse race. You turn it into a political story. That's way too simplistic. And that doesn't cover all of these other factors that we've discussed today and the things that are mentioned briefly in the RNS story. And you can expect someone like Bob Smetana, who used to be a professional religion writer in Nashville, Tennessee, the Baptist Vatican, and worked for a kind of a parachurch group indirectly related to the Southern Baptist Convention, which means his list of sources and speed dial numbers is very large. <laughs> so let's just say that when the convention comes up, we're going to have a lot of coverage of a lot of this stuff. This isn't just a matter of losing members. There are other factors, and I think the stat that people need to look for right now is how many new Southern Baptist churches started during the same, say, five-year period when the crisis became more apparent. How many new churches were they doing? How many of those new churches are surviving? How many of them are thriving? And how many of them are linked to home mission efforts involving ethnic groups, people of color, and Southern Baptist outreach to African-Americans and interracial churches. Those are all different issues, but they're central to discussions of growth of the Southern Baptist Convention or decline. You had mentioned earlier that a lot of the losses are going to non-denominational churches, and the dirty little secret of non-denominational evangelicalism, it is very quickly softening up on LGBTQ issues, Andy Stanley being a major yeah. mover, and, and others could be mentioned as well. 
is this going to put theological pressure on the Southern Baptist Convention? They already have a very small contingent that would like to see movement in that direction. And of course, Andy Stanley is the son of a prominent figure in the Southern Baptist resurgence of conservatism, his father, Charles Stanley, who died just a few weeks ago. So what constitutes compromise on LGBTQ issues is a critical issue. And frankly, I'm not confident at all that the press is going to cover the shades of differences there accurately. But just to get to your punchline there, will this put more pressure on Southern Baptists? Of course it will. All Christian, Jewish, Muslim, everybody in American public life is under increasing pressure on issues related to the sexual revolution, marriage, sex outside of marriage, in a variety of different forms and shapes, and <laughs> et cetera, et cetera. I won't go there. Everybody's under pressure there. All pastors are scared to talk about it to some degree. I have found that if you want to watch a minister in any doctrinally conservative Southern Baptist or evangelical Missouri Synod Lutheran and a host of other people, if you want to see them get nervous, ask them how they're handling cohabitating couples in preparing them for marriage. And ask them, how are you handling cohabitating couples when the children are, their father's a deacon? What about the children of your major donating families, your most active families? Are you under pressure to compromise on sex outside of marriage when it looks more like the people in your pews and not the people at the Gay Pride March? Ask that question and find out where it goes. Because yes, of course the SBC is under pressure with the sexual revolution. Everybody is. And how does the SBC defend traditional Christian views on that topic in a digital marketplace in which they're being shot at from one side by the mainstream press and from the other side by the conservative Baptist network and other folks who want to take that up to Twitter level arguments or down to Twitter level arguments. Yeah. Who's handling those debates? Well, hardly anybody. Yeah, that's going to be a part of this drama. Terry Mattingly is senior fellow at the Overby Center for Southern Journalism and Politics at the University of Mississippi. He's founder and editor of Get Religion and author of the weekly On Religion column for the Universal Syndicate and the book Pop Goes Religion. Terry, thank you very much for your time. Glad to be here. I'm Todd Wilkin. I'll talk with you next week. Thanks for listening to Crossroads with Terry Mattingly. Crossroads is a production of Get Religion, part of the First Amendment projects at the Overby Center at the University of Mississippi. If you appreciate this podcast, please make a secure online tax-deductible donation at getreligion.org.